Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado Radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. Joining us, one of our favorite contributors. He's uh, such a knowledgeable outdoorsman in almost all aspects of the outdoors. He's with Tightline Outdoors, Mr. Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you doing today? You know, I'm doing great, and I saw in the note here that you want to talk about the transition, the fall fishing, and it's it's a little bit different this year, but it's going to probably end up being the same, if you know what I mean. And the mountains yep. are probably transitioning a little quicker than the uh, lower elevations because of that hot weather we had, but it's going to happen, and I won't be surprised in a couple of weeks if we're right into it. Absolutely, Terry. You know, I mean, even though despite the temperatures, you know, the nights are still cold, maybe not quite as cold as we're used to, but really I would say we are, we are dang near right on track of, uh, of all of the traditional fall patterns. You know, um, our walleye bite, you know, we really watched the, more the, the transitions of depth, how they're approaching bait fish. Um, and really you transition from that summer pattern to that fall pattern. And I mean, you see it as early as August and as late as October, but I would say that we are right in the, the normal patterns for that fall fishery as far as walleye. We're right in there on the trout, on the pike. Uh, it really seems like almost all species-wise, we are right there with uh, the traditional fall patterns. So it's exciting to see that. And you know, we want to talk about, one, what those patterns are, how to catch these fish. But more importantly, um, I don't want to really tell people that they have to go fishing, but during the transitions for all species, whether you're a walleye guy or a pike guy or a bass guy, you know, whatever, um, if you are that angler, you know, tries to get out as often as possible and is fairly a, a regular angler, um, in these transitions, I think it's key to try to get out as much as possible. We see a lot of anglers, you know, that maybe they get caught up in, in sports with their kids or sports as an adult or, or you know, whatever, hunting. Um, but a lot of people can miss some of these transitions. And a lot of times going from a fall pattern or, uh, excuse me, a, a summer pattern to a fall pattern, you can lose the fish. And a lot of people will struggle the entire fall simply for the fact that they, they miss that transition. They don't know where the fish are. They don't keep up with the patterns. So I want to talk just a little bit about, you know, if you have the chance right now as it's that transition to, to stay with those fish and try to keep up with the patterns because it's, you know, as guides, obviously, we stay on top of all of our bites and all 17 bodies of water we fish. Um, and it makes it so easy when you know where they're at. You know that transition. You know where they came from, where they've moved to. And really, the, the concept is staying one step ahead of the fish or staying with the fish rather than staying one step behind the fish. And I think so many anglers, uh, just in their daily you know, angling, are, are somewhat slightly behind the bite. And you know, that leads to catching some fish, not a lot of fish. But you can predict that next bite, know where they're at, stay on top of it. It makes everything so much easier. So that's kind of the, the the concept of what we want to talk about today. Well, I want to touch real quick, and then I want you to take me through what your thoughts are. Um, you couldn't have said it better. Uh, I, I, I'm i very blessed and fortunate that I get to fish all over the world. And because of that, though, and I'm going to whine a little bit, I don't get to stay on top of the bites sometimes in the waters right by my house. And a lot of times, I, yeah, there I am, I either have to spend <laughs> a lot of time on the water trying to figure out what's been going on over the last couple of weeks 
or I have to call one of you guys and, and talk to you and find out or book a, or go on a trip with one of you guys because I fall behind. It makes such a difference. A lot of times when I travel all over the country, I'm meeting up with somebody who's kind of keeping track of those waters. It just, yep. it just helps me um, because I, I just I can't fly up to northern Minnesota. I can catch some fish up there. Those are my, my, where I grew up on those waters. But I don't know what the fish are doing today. I think I know what they might be doing, but then I might spend half a day finding them or never find them. Exactly. You know, and I think that's the key. So many people find a handful of fish. You find a couple. But if you really want to catch a lot of fish and you want to be successful, um, you want to catch the bulk of them. You want to catch the, the 80% instead of the 20%. And that's the kind of things where literally just staying on, on top of those fish is key. So, like, right now you're looking at the South Park area, the Antaros, 11 miles. They're right in that transit. I mean, what you were doing two weeks ago is not what you're doing today, and it happens fast. And I mean, we're seeing a, a pretty drastic change. I mean, I'm seeing these fish um, in some aspects 12 to 16 feet of, of water different than where they were at. So it's a dramatic change to where if you're off by a little bit, you're going to struggle figuring out that bite. You're going to struggle building those patterns to, to create that success. So, so staying on top of those fish is everything. And, you know, it's going to be everything from depth, from presentation. You're going from maybe a, a really food presentation, what we call it, to where you're feeding the fish their natural food, going into a reaction bite in the fall. Um, you know, that's like it's spinning. You know, when we were fishing a lot, maybe a little bit more subtle stuff. You know, fishing flies, being real natural bait. And now we're going for that reaction. You know, water's cooling down. The fish are getting more aggressive. They're switching to reactionary-style fishing. And it kind of goes uh, across the board in a, in a variety of situations. But everything from presentation to color to depth will change in that fall pattern more than likely for all species. And staying on top of it um, is everything. And I'd say, generally speaking, across the board, um, especially right now where the water's warm, we almost always, almost all species go with, with more reaction. Um, you know, pike might be the one thing that we, I would say, we go bigger, uh, maybe not more aggressive on speed. Um, but generally speaking, across the board, we are going to go just a little bit more um, reactionary style fishing on, on all species. Yeah, no, I agree completely, you know, and, you know, I used to have a saying that when I'd come off the water, a lot of times people would come up to me and recognize me or my boat, and they would say, how did you do, and what were you catching them? When they asked me, when the first question is, what did you catch them on, I'd be polite and answer, but I wouldn't be confident those people would catch fish. If the first question they asked me was, how deep were they, and then what did you catch them on, I felt a little more comfortable that those people probably were on the right track. It's 100% true, Terry. I mean, 100% true. Because the bait, uh, it, it'll help, but it, does, it, gets you, uh, it doesn't get you very far on that roadmap at all. The depth is, is one of those biggest features. And like we're talking about, you look at your tail, you look at spinning where you're having these pretty big migrations into you know, different depths of water. And in these situations, I can catch the fish on 10 or 15 pounds of bait in multiple colors. But the whole concept of where they're at is, is everything. So, again, if I know a depth, I can go in there and I can catch them on about any bait out there as long as I'm somewhat close. Uh, but again, you take that same bait and go out to deeper water or a different depth, um, you're really going to struggle. So the bait is important, but not near as important as the depth of the zone in which those fish are in. So again, keeping up with those transitions is everything. It's happening right now. I mean, you look at the, the Chatfield Cherry Creek. 
presentation are you using spoons jigging wraps you know johnny you know, right darters now I'm doing a lot of blade baits I'm, I'm doing a lot of blade bait fishing i'd say blade baits jigging wraps and spoons are all three working uh but right now especially where that water is still warm uh that blade bait is really the perfect cadence it matches the, the size of the young shad flawlessly and then you get that most reaction to where when the fish still do have a lot of energy in that warmer water um it creates a lot of flash a lot of vibration almost as much as a, a fish call on top of being that reactionary bait. So if you go out wild fishing right now, Cherry Creek, Chatfield, Pueblo, Boyd, um, you tie in a blade bait, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a guaranteed, you know, surefire bait to catch a, a lot of walleye, but you're also going to catch bass, trout, you're going to catch about everything out there. All right, what about some of the mountain lakes while we've still got time here? You know, while we got time, you know, if you're going to go to the South Park area, we'll start with that. Um, you want to target trout. I'm basically breaking it down into like three presentations, and I personally am utilizing two of the three. Um, so number one, a spoon. You know, whatever spoon you want to throw. We're throwing a lot of Tasmanian devils, uh, but Venator wobblers, cast masters. Uh, I mean, really any of those spoons, a daredevil, you're looking for a, a wobbling cadence. Um, so we're really throwing a lot of just a, a wider wobbling bait. Uh, and the biggest thing is we're breaking up that retrieve. So cast it out, reel it back, and as you're doing it back, Add a twitch, add a jerk, break up the cadence of that bait just so as it comes in, those, those fish, if they follow it, it breaks it up where you're not going to get a straight follow. You'll create that reaction. So that's been big. Um, we're starting into that brighter color time of year to where the water's cooling off. You know, water was in the, the middle 60s, you know, not too long ago. Now we're in the, the middle 50s, even low 50s, the first light. Uh, you know, nighttime temps are getting into the high 20s. Um, and with that, both of these, or most of all the lakes in South Park have fresh water shrimp we call a scud as those scuds die off you know not all of them but as you get cycles of scuds that die off they turn bright orange and almost like a pinky orange um so right now fishing orange baits fishing pink baits fishing those brighter colors mimicking those those dying scuds so the scuds will actually climb to the top of the weed growth uh you know basically just coming up in the water column that's when they're going to start kind of losing their life cycle um and as they do that they turn colors so again Bright oranges, bright pinks are going to be a mainstay for colors in all those South Park fisheries. Uh, we're also doing a lot with tube jigs, and you can do a variety. You know, we're fishing a lot of, a lot of two and a half to three and a half inch tubes. Uh, I personally fish heavy tubes. I'm fishing a three eighth ounce head. You have people like Will Dykstra who are fishing a lot lighter. They're fishing an eighth ounce. Uh, but we're actually swimming these baits above the weeds and 
swimming them on, you know, if we do have clean bottom areas of the lake, uh, but more so than a traditional walleye, just a hop and a drop. Uh, we're actually doing a lot of swimming motion, bigger cadences, moving that bait, you know, three, four feet at a time in that cadence. Um, and it has been absolutely phenomenal to catching a lot of fish. Um, and then the third presentation we're doing is, uh, is jerk baits. Now, I personally don't use a lot of jerk baits in these trout fisheries simply for the fact that it takes me too long to unhook the fish. Um, you know, I'm using a rubber net by Ego, so it's fast as far as, as not getting too tangled. But anytime that I'm having a jerk bait with, you know, double or triple hooks on it, um, you know, it tears up the fish's mouth, it's stuck in my net, and it's catching fish, but literally the, the bite is so good. You know, the difference of catching 40 fish to, to 70 fish, a lot of time is the wasted time spent on the boat on hooking fish out of your net. So, you know, using a, a spoon with a single treble or even a single hook or a tube jig with a single hook, um, I get that fish in, I get it unhooked, and I am back in the water. But if a jerkbait is your style of angling, if you want to do that, uh, the jerkbait bite is going strong. Um, to be honest with you, we're throwing a lot of jerkbaits for big pike right now, uh, and we are just pounding trout while doing it. And we're throwing, you know, seven, eight-inch jerkbait. Um, you know, fishing for pike, catching a lot of pike, but we're also getting a lot of big rainbows, and we're also starting to get the beginning cycle of spawning browns um, on those jerk baits as well. So the benefit of the jerk bait is you get a few more browns. Um, the negative is as you catch those fish, it just slows you down at the net with uh, with a little bit of tangles and a little bit of torn up uh, torn up fish mouth. Yeah, I think so one that, of that's the, the hot bite. There. I think one one thing a lot of people do is they underestimate the size of a bait that a trout will take because they see fly fishermen and flies are a great way to fish for trout, but big browns and big rainbows they're 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 meat eaters they get to that size by eating other fish and they will eat they will hit some awfully large crankbaits and jerkbaits that and even big soft plastics that they will hit quite well nate we got time for one quick question i'm going to ask you if you were going to go fishing tomorrow the broncos play early so maybe people sneak out where would you go you know the biggest thing for me is uh i'm probably hit spinny right now just to capitalize in the on the, the trout and the pike bite, you know what I mean? So you go up there right now, you start early, that pike bite's been really early in the morning. I fish pike for a couple hours. Um, as the weeds start to fall, the pike's getting more exposed. They're just now starting their, their real heavy fall bulk up. Uh, so the pike bite's on. So I fish pike for a couple hours, and when that breeze comes up, it's going to turn up that water, it's going to pull those dying scuds up, and uh, and that trout bite is going to start on fire. So I would uh, I would definitely think about hitting spinning at that, that first line to be honest, uh, that those trout, you know, you're having 40, 60 fish rainbow days, getting pike over 40 inches. Uh, it holds a candle to a lot of that football games going on. So uh, I would definitely think about, about taking advantage of why this bite is as incredible as it is right now. And if they want to book a trip? As always, go to tightlineoutdoors.com. I know that I have, I think, three uh, three trips remaining for the fall, and I'm sold out. I know Matt Inslee has a few left for spinning. He also has his crappie bite going on in fast bite. Uh, then Will has a few spots for trout pike, and then Devin has a few. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again very soon. We will talk to you soon. Thank you, Nate Zielinski. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage, special circumstance lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web, 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 120. 
You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right to the phones because joining us from the Lake John Resort is Nicole. And Nicole, I have to embarrass myself and ask you this. I know how to spell your last name. How do you pronounce it? It's pronounced M. M. I couldn't, I don't know if it was I'm or M, so it's a soft I. Yes. I'll try to remember that so I don't have to ask next time. No problem. <laughs> it gets butchered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, but you guys are doing such a great job. You guys have been uh, taking over the Lake John area for a couple of years now, and you just, every interaction I've heard about you guys has been, you're just great people, and your attitude is great, and hopefully it's just going really well for you. And there's a lot going on in your area right now. I just, uh, my column in the Denver Post that came out yesterday was on the waterfall hunting that will start next weekend there. You've got big game hunting going on. And, of course, you've got, you're getting into what's going to be tremendous fall fishing. Why don't you start, let's start out with the, um, well, first, you, you said you also have a fire burning up there. And I know there's been some concern. Is it the Ryan Fire? Can you tell us if that's affecting your area? It is the Ryan Fire. It's northwest of Big Creek, and it's up by the Colorado-Wyoming border, heading further into uh, Wyoming. It, it is not affecting us. And, uh, you know, the air quality out here is fine. We're not, you know, buried in smoke or anything like that. And it's been a huge concern for those hunting on Independence Mountain. Um, it is not affecting that area either. In fact, I think you were telling me that Independence has been hunting really well. A lot of people have kind of stayed away from it, right? Yeah, a lot of people have stayed away from it because there was a fire on there three years ago, and uh, it's still the thought that, you know, people are just kind of shying away from it because of that fire, but the animals have moved in there tremendous. Last year was very successful on Independence Mountain for elk, moose, bear, and antelope over in this area. So um, don't don't be shy to check out Independence for, for this unit. Well, a lot of times when you get a few years after a fire, that second growth is great browsing. It is. It is. And, and there's a lot of animals up there. And, you know, and I, and I mentioned, we'll get to the fishing in just a minute, but I also mentioned waterfall season. The, sec, the first split starts next weekend, and you guys are smack in the middle of some of the best duck hunting in the state, especially early season. And um, if people want to read that article, they can go to my Facebook page, uh, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, and there's a link to that article with an interview from the game manager from that area. But he claims there's... Uh, more pairs of uh, resident nesting ducks there than any place in the state except the San Luis Valley. And that's saying a lot. Yeah, it is, absolutely. And, uh, you know, last year we didn't see uh, the population that I thought we would for uh, duck hunting out here. Um, we're getting a lot more inquiries this year, but they're here. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great place here in the Delaney's and uh, uh, Cowdery as well. Well, you've got rivers, you've got lakes, you've got ponds, you can set out decoys, and there's a lot of just jump shooting where you can walk those rivers and glass ahead, and it's just a tremendous place. Now, it's, it's a place to hunt ducks early because once it starts to freeze, then thoughts are going to turn to ice fishing up there, and you won't attract too many migratory birds. So this first split is when to hunt there. Let's talk a little bit about the fishing. What are you seeing going on? A lot of places around the state, we're starting to see the water transition. Even though we've had warm days, the water is cooling, and the trout are getting active. Is that what you're seeing up there? 
Absolutely. These fall temperatures that are starting to move in have uh, made fishing very active. You know, we're in the high 70s during the day and then, you know, low 40s. Of course, this morning we've seen uh, 36, you know, so it's a little bit chillier. But um, the fishing's active. It's really active. It kind of started right around Labor Day, and it's been holding strong so far. Well, I think it'll probably hold up all the way through till ice fishing and into ice fishing now because, you know, you've got great fisheries there and the fish turn on and off. But then once this fall bite starts, it's usually sustainable. Let's go by first Lake John itself. What are they using there and what are they seeing them catch? Uh, right now at Lake John, you know, we're seeing average 16 to 18 inches. Uh, we, you know, since Labor Day, I did measure in quite a few 21, 22 inches. Uh, it's always great to see those. Um, but I would say consistently, uh, probably 16 to 18 is the range we're seeing right now. Uh, boats are doing really good trolling with flies, the black and brown woolly boogers, pistol peats, uh, cast masters in the rainbow or frog pattern, and gold and silver spoons are doing really good right now. For, for boat fishermen. And then shore fishermen are doing great with uh, night crawlers, uh, the live ones, or there's this gulp pinched crawler. Um, that's doing really good right now. Uh, rainbow power bait, garlic power bait, and a bubble with a fly is also doing well. I tell you, that gulp pinched crawler, does that look like a piece of night crawler or not? Isn't that yeah. amazing? It does, and I'll tell you what, they're hard to come by right now. Uh, I just, I can't keep them on the shelves because they're doing well enough, you know? I was up in Minnesota testing those when they first came out. They weren't even in the stores yet because I do a lot of product testing for Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And we were on a big bluegill lake, and we were catching these huge bluegills, but we were also losing a lot of pieces of nightcrawler. So I tied one of those on, and I could catch four or five fish on the same one, and they were hitting it just as well as the as the regular live worm. They're just phenomenal. I love that bait. Another one I like, in the, and I use it more ice fishing, but I also use it under a bobber, is they have a, um, a mini nightcrawler that's extruded in a jar. It looks like a red blood worm. That one is also really good. Hey, what's going on at the Delaney's? Are we seeing those big browns yet, or is it most Mostly still cutthroats, or you know, we're seeing cutthroats and rainbows mostly. Um, north is you know a little bit slower fishing, but when people are on there, they're catching bigger fish. Uh, the browns are going to get ready to spawn here about the first week in October, so they're getting close. Um, Rapalas are doing really good over there. South is very active right now, but they're not seeing as big a fish out of there. Uh, you know average on what I'm hearing is about 17 inches and then, you know, smaller from there. And East isn't really producing much of anything right now. So now if people want to come up, you've got some pretty nice facilities there. Tell people what you can offer if they want to come up and like stay at your place for hunting or fishing or, or just stop by. Absolutely. Uh, so we have a general store here with, you know, groceries, full line of bait and tackle. And then we have uh, four cabins here um, set up with different bed arrangements, uh, plenty of availability for duck season. I still have openings for first, second, and third rifle season in those cabins. And uh, then we have a full RV park here with water, sewer, and electric hookups um, that hunters also use, you know, even during the colder weather, just plug in with electric, and then we can help you out with a shower house and stuff like that for hunters. Well, and it's so great. You know, I, I got to tell you, one of the things, though, from where your RVs and where your cabins are, it's so far to the lake, I couldn't make a cast. I actually had to walk closer to the lake. 
<laughs> I mean, you're right there on the water. I mean, I've and I've stayed in those cabins ice fishing too, and it's phenomenal. There, it's just a great setup. And you know, one of the big draws, of course, Nicole, is the fact that you guys try to keep track of what's going on. So if your first stop is either at the store or at least a call to the store, you're going to help put them on fish right away. Oh, absolutely. We're always more than willing to share what's been working, what's not working, kind of some hot spots, stuff like that. We're always, always more than happy to answer any questions and point, point people in the right direction. So how do people get a hold of you if they want to find out more about your accommodations, the store, and an update on the fishing? Sure. They're more than welcome to call us anytime at 970-723-3226, or they can look us up at lakejohnresort.com, and we're on Facebook, and I do a weekly fishing report on there as well. And, you know, the only problem I have with coming to your area right now is I wouldn't have any idea. Do I bring a shotgun, a fly rod, a conventional rod? Do I bring my boat? Do I fish from shore? Am I going up there to scout for big game? Am I getting ready for duck season? There's too much going on there. All the above. All (laughs) the above. (laughs) Thank you, Nicole. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Terry. You guys have a great day. You bet. That's Nicole M. from Lake John's store. Just great people. We're going to take a time out. We're going to have another friend of ours join us if he behaves himself. Is JR is going to join us from Colorado Clays after this time out on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right to the phones where we are joined by Mr. J.R. Pierce from one of our favorite places, Colorado Clays. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Terry. It has to be gorgeous at your place today. Terry, it could not be more beautiful. Uh, just this fall weather breeze, nice even lighting. We've got a another great fundraising shoot going on right now. Uh, what a fantastic day. Well, you know... We've got so much shotgun hunting sports coming up. We've got the first split of duck season. We've got pheasants coming up. We've got quail. Doves are in season. And they actually have still quite a few of them around. They didn't take off yet. There's so much, but you're not going to be successful if you don't practice. Or maybe you just like shooting your shotgun for um, fun. Just It could be competitively or it could be just you and some buddies or you just like to practice. They can do all of that. Practice, get ready right at Colorado Clays, right? Well, well, of course, Terry, and you know, Colorado Clays being the premier public shooting facility in Colorado welcomes everyone from the recreational shooter, uh, competitive shooters, and of course, hunters getting prepared, um, even beginning shooters. Anybody and everybody is welcome to Colorado Clays, and we truly do have something for everyone, Terry. For example, since we're on the shotgun uh, subject, we have a training trap dedicated for that beginning shooter, whether you are a youth or um, whether you want to try it for the first time. And, you know, some of the things you could call us about um, would be, you know, even if you don't have a gun, maybe you want to reserve a gun rental and some time with an instructor, or maybe you have a group that could use some group instruction. We do a lot of that with uh, bachelor parties, families, friends, uh, little corporate events and such. Um, possibly even your company wants to have a team building day or have a meeting in our clubhouse and do a little bit of shooting. Very popular things. And of course, like we're doing today, a big corporate fundraiser. Uh, and I've said it before, Terry, nobody uh, does that like Colorado Clays. No, you're absolutely right. Let's take them through the different types of uh, shotgun experiences you have there. You mentioned the, the training uh, setup, but you have, you have trap, skeet, wobble trap, cl- clays. 
for the people who are just listening a little bit, tell them the differences. Well, Terry, uh, trap. Uh, so that game, and by the way, we have seven ATA certified fields of trap. Trap is a real fun game. Up to five people can shoot wide behind a single trap house that launches targets at random angles. And, you know, round of trap is 25 targets, and you shoot 25 targets by shooting five at those five different shooting positions behind the trap. So trap is a real good entry-level game. It's also a good warm-up for the upland birds, and it's very affordable here at Colorado Clays. To shoot a round of trap is only $7.50. So that is a great game uh, for whatever you like doing with, you know, a shotgun and clay targets. Now skeet, we do have two, uh, you know, certified skeet fields, and that's a little more advanced game. Skeet, you have a high house and a low house. Uh, one of them to the left, one to the right. Your shooting positions are in a half circle out of, uh, from one direction to the other, you know, meaning from the high house to the low house. And there are eight shooting positions uh, on Skeet. Skeet is more of a very um, fast crossing target game. So really, really good for developing the uh, lead and follow-through aspect of shotgunning. Uh, round of Skeet is also 25 targets and a mere $7.50 to shoot that game. Uh, on our Skeet fields, uh, as you mentioned, the Wobble Trap. So Wobble Trap is basically like regular trap, um, except the machine not only oscillates left to right, but it uh, elevates up and down. So you can have angles in both directions and uh, vertically and, and down. So any number of presentations. And the really good tool for Upland is the wobble trap. And the reason is um, it can simulate just about any uh, bird flush you can imagine and randomly. So you can really practice that. And when you use the entire skeet field, you can be shooting from any number of positions, and you can really work on those flushes that give you the problems and focus on them. So great tool. And even if you're just recreational, it is a fun fun game to play. And then finally, Terry, our 15 station sporting clays course, uh, set down in a Cottonwood Creek bottom, the most beautiful uh, course we have on our facility. Um, around sporting clays is basically likened to um, golf with a shotgun. You're going station to station. Uh, every station will have a couple machines, and you'll be getting different presentations in pairs at every station, and they range from high targets, low uh, targets coming in, going out, crossing, bouncing across the ground, uh, fast, slow, you name it. So our sporting clays is the most popular tool because you literally get to see a little bit of everything. Uh, our course around is 100 targets shot over the 15 stations. It takes a couple hours to do, and it only costs $40 to, to shoot around on the whole course. So fantastic tool and great time. Now, that sporting clays... If I wanted to come out, I have, say, one shot that just plagues me, and the one I'd pick would be that silly rabbit that bounces across the ground. If, if I ever hit one of those in a sporting clay shoot, I'll be just happy. <laughs> um, but um, I could spend extra time. I don't have to move for all 100 shots. I can, if I can spend extra time at one station. Is that right? Well, and Terry, that's the nice thing about shooting here at Colorado Clays. Our prices are based on, you know, per 100 um, but if you choose to shoot all 100 
of your shells and targets at that rabbit, you are more than welcome. You can shoot as many or few as you want at every target and really focusing on um, developing your skills and practicing on the shots you need to. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Very user-friendly. Um, come out and enjoy doing what you need to do or want to do. Now, we're we're about into the rifle seasons for big game. And uh, one of my pet peeves, I know I always tell people to stay ready for hunting, don't get ready for hunting. But there's a lot of people just don't have extra time. So the one thing I say, first of all, if you can't get out and scout, Set your expectations accordingly, but never be lax about understanding your firearm and the safety things you need to know when you're on your hunt. And you guys have a great rifle range that they can do the getting to know your firearm with. Well, Terry, and thank you so much for bringing that up because uh, we we have just an amazing tool for, again, everybody from the recreational to competitive to hunter in our rifle pistol facility. So first of all, it is a state-of-the-art NRA-approved range. Our 100-yard range has a telephoto camera on your target and a monitor in your shooting base, so you literally do not need spotting equipment. Uh, All of your sighting can be done in real time. And if, say, you have a muzzleloader, maybe an iron sight gun, or, you know, even a 22, we do have intermediate 50-yard targets on some of the lanes as well. And, or maybe you're, you know, sighting a new scope and just need to get on paper. So the, the range itself is a great tool. And, of course, you know, there are 10 bays of pistol right across from that with a target return system. So if you wanted to bring both guns, you could. And while I'm on that, Terry, I'd like to make, uh, uh, let everybody know about our sighting clinics. Um, this clinic is only $60. It's going to be the first one tomorrow morning at 7.30 a.m. to 9. You'll need to call in and make appointment. But for that money, you truly get to work with a professional that can help you zero in your rifle. And this is something that most people don't understand how what, what a great tool and what a cheap price this is to get that, that scope zeroed in. Um, you know, we won't do, you know, iron sights or muzzle loaders, and we're limiting each session to six shooters so our expert can spend plenty of time with each person getting them completely dialed in. So the dates uh, starting tomorrow, September 23rd, and then again on September 30th, and then we'll run into October on the 7th, 14th, and 21st. And that is, again, 730 to 9 a.m., only $60. And, and Terry, I want, some, I want to ask you a question, and I want to see, uh, do you know what the most common uh, problem with guns that can't get sighted in is? It's probably a loose scope. Good call. So, yeah, this is a fun fact, and the reason I brought this up is if you are coming in, number one thing we see, loose scope mounds or rings, um, is the cause of a rifle that you can't get sighted in. So keep that in mind if you come in. All right. JR, we got to run, but how do they find you? Uh, ColoradoClays.com, or feel free to give us a call, 303-659-7117. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again soon. Thank you, Terry. You bet. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. All right, one of my favorite Eagles songs. Brad might just have to wait a while. 
You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Sun Power Sports. And we are going to go right to the phones and talk to Brad Peterson. And Brad, you know one of the problems I have on a beautiful day like this in the fall is do you pick up your shotgun? Do you pick up your fly rod? Do you pick up your regular fishing rod? Do you take the boat? Do you go wading a river? I mean, there's just so much to do, especially over the next few weeks. There is. This is a great time of the year. Uh, Terry, I decided to hook up the boat and head out to the lake, but uh, I know there's a lot of people up on the mountain zone in the central flyway out on duck opener and, you know, elk hunting comes up here in just a little bit too. All right. So what, what, what lake are you on? Give us a fishing update. I'm on Boyd. Uh, The fishing's been reasonable. The bite's been a little bit on the slow slide, but we did get a a 26-inch walleye this morning, uh, spooning. So, you know, there's a few nice fish getting caught, some white bass. Uh, water temperature, I know you were out there earlier this week, and water temperature's down to 68 degrees. Well, that's a so good thing. Cold, yeah, this this cold temperatures that we had last week and this coming week, I think is really going to get the fall bite that everyone's been saying is just about here. Um I would say by next weekend, it will be here, at least on our northern lakes up here. Yeah, and how do you approach that fall bite on a lake like Boyd? What what do you do? I mean, are you looking for the bait? Are you chasing them with jigging wraps, Johnny Darters, spoons, or are you trying crankbaits? What are you using? Um, I've done, yes, I've done all of that today. Um, it's It's a combination of two things. I'm looking for fish on structure with electronics and trying to find those fish. If I can find bait next to them, that's even better. And I'll fish those fish to start just because those fish, if they're going, they're going to go really well, and you can run your spots pretty quick. And if that doesn't go, then it's a matter of, you know, figuring out the depth that the bait's in and starting to cover water with crankbaits. And And the crankbaits have been, you know, what's been getting the white bass today. And the white bass should start, we should start, we saw a little bit of surface activity last last time I was out, and that should really start taking off early and late in the day where you're seeing those boils. Then, of course, those shad will eventually go deep and it'll become more of a spoon bite, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Once it hits about that, oh, upper 50s, that the, the bait usually goes deeper in the water temp. And when I'm looking at water temps this time of year, the big key is to be looking first thing in the morning because you get a big fluctuation on our warm days. You know, water temp can go up four degrees difference, but it's look, it's comparing the early morning um, from day to day is really going to tell you how that water temperature is actually varying. And I actually found some stuff on the South end of the lake that was at 64 this morning. Well, wow, that's good. Um, there's a little, yeah, a little bit of water coming in in that shallow area, and that water temperature is really dry. Now let's switch gears a little bit here before we run out of time, because the I know and I just wrote an article for the Denver Post on the North Park area for resident ducks, and that first split on the east of I I twenty five I think starts next west, weekend. West of I west yeah, of I twenty five. West of I twenty five started this weekend or uh, next weekend I think. Youth, next weekend, youth was this weekend. Yeah, youth was this west weekend. Of, and yep. West starts next weekend, and East is two weekends away. Right. Now, when you're hunting, 
Um, you know, you've got areas like North Park. People can find, by the way, that article on my Facebook page at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Do you like hunting the resident? Well, you're hunting all resident birds this time of the year. You're not probably getting any migratory birds. Do you think the resident bird hunting is as good on the plains as the mountains are early? Because later on, the resident birds are going to be gone, and the best hunting is definitely going to be on the plains. But how do you approach it? You know, we've got really good resident populations, and we've had a warm fall. So, uh, so far, I think you're still going to get some of that early teal migration will still be hanging around on the eastern plains for that first season. So what I would tell people really to look for is find those ponds, do some scouting. The nice thing about the resident birds is they're used to going back to the same spot. So target that, you know, do a little scouting, and when you find those ponds that they're utilizing, you're going to have success, you know, going back there because they haven't been disturbed at all. And one of the the great opportunities that uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife has given us is the reservation system for a lot of these shallow impoundments. And I know we've talked about it in a few different segments uh, when I was in there guest hosting with you. And um, the, uh, the reservation system for the Eastern Plains, Monday is the first day that you can call and reserve a spot for opening day. So for those people that are thinking they might want to do that, you need to check the either the website out or the regs and get the 800 number and follow all the rules, call in at the right time, have a couple different options ready. But this would be a good weekend to do a little bit of scouting and planning for that and uh, make your phone calls tomorrow or um, Monday morning. Well, and if people go to my Facebook page, not only will they at the top of my page or close to the top see the North Park resident duck hunting uh, article, but if you scroll down just uh, maybe a week or so to to when you were in the studio with me, I did put a Denver Post column on that reservation system and how it makes hunting available, and a lot of the information they need is there on my Facebook page, Terry Wicks from Outdoors. You just have to scroll down to that first article. Now, are you going to be doing some guiding for waterfall this year in addition to fishing guiding? I am. I'm going to be doing uh, some limited duck hunting guiding, uh, and I've got some really quality property uh, that's got river bottom and warm water sloughs right in the Platteville area. And then if you go out further east, out by Marino, I've got a, a little bit of river bottom as well there that I can hunt and some ponds. So I've got some really good hunting that's going to provide opportunities for duck hunting for those people who maybe want to go out and learn um, or just try it out for the first time without having to buy all the gear. If they want to get in touch with me on that, they can go to my Facebook page at Brad Peterson Outdoors or give me a call at uh, 303-829-3998. And like I said, I'm going to really limit the number of hunts that I take out to try to keep it to the best quality possible. All right. And when when will you start doing those trips? Um, I will start uh, opening weekend, and then it'll be one or two hunt opportunities a week at, uh, through the, the first season, which ends right after Thanksgiving. And then in December and January, there are going to be a lot more afternoon trips. And those are a lot of fun. You show up about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and you just get birds trickling back into the area. And it's, it's not the mass of birds you can see in the morning, but it's some of the most steady hunting opportunities you'll have all year. And in between that, you're still going to be guiding for fishing trips, right? 
Yep, yep. I'll be doing some guiding for open water, and then if we get some ice, I will be doing some ice fishing as well. 30 seconds. If you were going fishing tomorrow, where would you go? You know, what I've been hearing, Cherry Creek. The bite at Cherry Creek's been really good. So, And, uh, and for those people in the metro area, that, that's where I would target. And how would you approach it? I would be getting out early in the morning, pitching either blade baits or spoons up shallow. And as the sun comes up, I would move out to a little bit more of those uh, those deep breaks uh, or steeper breaks where you're going from that maybe 6 to 10 feet down to 15, 18 feet in a real short, short area. All right, Brad, we're out of time, but we'll talk to you again very soon. A lot of great information. All right. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Brad Peterson, a great resource. Now, I said earlier when I started the show, this is a tough time of the year because there's so many outdoor activities. Just You can be just going out to watch the fall colors. You could be going up to Rocky Mountain National Park to listen to the elk bugling. You can be hunting waterfall. You've got upland game coming up. Dove hunting is going on. You've got some of the best fishing of the year, but it's not crowded because a lot of people have put their fishing gear away. They're either avid hunters in addition to anglers or they're maybe into the sports scene and they're going to watch the Broncos or they've got kids that are in sports and they've got their other activities or they just have had their fill of fishing. Some people just go a few times a year. So if you want to catch fish consistently and big fish, this is a great time to be out no matter how you like to fish. The rivers are going to be going good with the browns, so there's just a lot going on. Remember, follow me on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We'll try to not only give you great information when you tune in here, every Saturday from 9 to 11. But we'll try to give you updates on information and what's going to be on the next show. And we're going to be running some contests. We're going to be doing a trivia contest, giving away $100 with a honey-smoked salmon. And the answer will be on our Facebook page at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors before we ask the question. So just follow us here. Follow my column in the Denver Post and go to our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. You'll find a lot of local lakes right now that we've done shows on right on that channel. There's over 100 episodes there. We're gonna um, take a. We're gonna wrap things up. We're gonna let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and sports on 104.3 The Fan. Thank you.